Hello, everyone, and welcome to Documentation Not Included. It is Thursday, 7 p.m. UK time, BST, because uh, we haven't had the clocks changed yet. We're live on twitch.tv slash DNI stream. It's time for the next show on our freelancing series. This time, we are on episode version 11.6, Agents, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. I am Josie Howarth, and I am, as always, joined by the Bugatti Veyron to my Ford Pinto, Chris Seabach. If only I knew anything about cars or bikes. It was definitely a compliment. I think, okay, thank you. The last one was a compliment, Rolex to something, Swatch. Anyway, Swatch yeah. watch. <laughs> as always, hello, Josie, and hello to everybody in uh, Twitch chat. Please do get involved if you have anything interesting to say or, or any questions to ask during the show. It is live. We will respond if they're relevant, funny, or otherwise engaging, um, and we'll read them out and uh, and get you involved. Before we get going, let me introduce our guest today, Cameron. He is new to the show, possibly new to podcasting in general. I'm not this sure. Is, I'm a podcast virgin, yeah. Ah, and um, so we will be gentle, although we are going to have a little bit of a prod. Um, so hello, Please. can you introduce yourself, tell people what you do, where you're from, and why you're here? So hello all, hi. So yeah, I am Cameron McGrain. I work for Harvey Nash. I've been in software development recruitment for about 10 years now, so... I have seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. I've been the good, the bad, and I'm sure the ugly in some people's eyes. Um, and I am here repping it for the agents today, um, trying not to get heckled pretty much for the next hour. <laughs> well, 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 we'll see about that. Let's see what our audience, uh, audience think about that. Yes. And before we begin, we're, as always, we're having our icebreaker question. This is a chance just to ask something random, get to know us a little better, and, you know, poke fun. So my question for you this week is, what is the worst misspelling you have ever ever seen of your own name oh uh guests on her again yeah well do you know what I, I mine wasn't even a misspelling of the name the guy just called me gavin i was like it was like cameron <laughs> gavin was stacy with like, you yeah i was like, like I, you know what i didn't even bother correcting him it was such a small conversation i was like you know, i'm just gonna let him have it <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been, yeah, my, my next door neighbor once caught we for some reason has been calling me john for years um, and I haven't ever corrected him, but finally, I think someone told him that. Oh, he's not John. He's he's called Chris. Uh, but no, the worst spelling of my name. My, my name's Hungarian, um, and people just can't seem to. It's very simple to spell, it, and it's phonetically quite easy to say as well. But I get all kinds. I mean, I've had C box S E E S E A B O X. I've had um, like Reebok with a double E. I've had. Um, <laughs> I've had people completely misspell it, and I've I've had people use accents in places that they should be. You know, I've had Hungarian people like say say my name in Hungarian and spell it slightly differently as well because it's the English anglicized version of it as well. So yeah, C C box is probably the worst. You live in a C in a box. That was a a good taunt as I was a child. For me, <laughs> for me, it's my my favorite. I think so far has to be Joseph. Nice. Because it's yeah. like, and, and the thing is, people will actually call and they'll they'll say your name completely wrong. And I love it when they say, is Mr. Joseph present? And I'm like, there is nobody here by that name <laughs> at all. Um, or, you know, my favorite is when I'm talking to them and or I pick up the phone. They're like, sir, can we? I'm like, who's sir? Oh, like, yeah. what, what are you on about? Uh, thing is, I get people's names wrong all the time. What a client I'm currently working for, I constantly call, there's a girl in the office, I constantly call her Josie. 
And that's because of you. Sorry. <laughs> and every time I do it, I know and I apologize. And I'm so sorry. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Well, hopefully it's a compliment. <laughs> well. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> well, no, no, I didn't mean that badly. Oh, God, this is off to a great start, isn't it? Anyway, so, yes, uh, today's show <laughs> today's show is entitled Agents, the Good, the Bad and the Ugly. Uh, we're going to be focusing on uh, freelance and contract agency engagements. We probably will touch on permanent a little bit. But as as this is our freelancer um, series, we will try and we'll try and focus on that. Um, every developer and client that I have ever been involved with have ha has had some kind of experience with a recruitment agent. Unfortunately, a lot of the time it's not been a particularly positive experience. But at the same time, they they it's it's an absolutely necessary job in my eyes, and it takes a lot to. Uh, there's a lot of different things that people think about recruitment agencies. So I'm going to start with a fairly difficult question, Cameron, and this isn't to catch you out or anything. Um, you're often seen as the middleman between yeah. an agency and a staff member, whether it's permanent or, or a contractor or a freelancer. Sure. Which party do you believe that you're serving when you're doing your job? You know what? It's a good question to start off with. Um, both is, it would be the answer. Um, I think if you've got uh, you've got a client you've worked with for five, ten years, and you've placed dozens of people with them, you're going to have a more loyalty to that to Joe Schmo coming in at a certain point and just sort of being like, right, okay, I'm I'm demanding all these things. I want a higher day rate. I want this, that, and the other. You're going to be like, well, realistically, that's that, that that's not, not going to happen but also there's guys who i've worked with over the last decade who i've placed seven eight times they've spent majority of the last 10 years working with me through me and i've known them i've gone out for beers with them i met them and i was by some of them as friends absolutely my loyalty lies with them so i think it's just it's, it's all it's a relationship business so it's where's the stronger relationship lie with them but you've got invested interest on in both sides so you've got to sort of I suppose that that's your job as the agent. You've got to keep everyone happy at a certain point. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of the miscommunication or a lot of the uh, finger-pointing sometimes comes from. Um, in, in my eyes, as someone who uses recruitment agencies, and not just, I mean, if, for full disclosure, I have worked with Cameron before as well. Um, I've, I've worked with great agents. I've worked with awful agents. I've worked with people who couldn't care less about me whatsoever. They just want to get me in as a new resource to, for a particular project. And they are serving the, very much serving the client in that instance. And I've worked with people who have wanted to keep me as a talent and tried to you know move me into the next job and into the next job. The reasons for that, I think, are sometimes disingenuine. But other times, I think they are genuinely, they, they want to place me. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's interesting you'd, you'd say that. I, I, I had a feeling it would be a very sitting on the fence answer to that. And that's kind of why I started with that. Well, it's, it doesn't quite come across as a, as a fence-sitting thing to me, at least what I heard. And maybe it's, you know, full disclosure on this, I have a, a, a slight distaste when recruiters get mentioned or agents get mentioned. Uh, jokingly, although in some seriousness, I, I kind of see them as the bane of the job market. Um, and mostly because of the bad things that I've seen and the bad things that I have witnessed and not a lot of good has come of that. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this changes with this. But what I basically heard him say is his loyalty is going to be with the party that he's built the stronger relationship with. 
it doesn't make a difference whether it is that business or it is the uh, recruitment or the candidate that he's placing. Did I catch that right? Or am I misunderstanding you? Is, is it the no, world I mean, of stronger relationship? Yeah. I mean, it's naturally, it's, it's a relationship business, isn't it? So if you've dealt with somebody for five years and you've dealt with somebody for two minutes, who are you going to have more just intrinsic loyalty built into? Um, so there's there's something there. But I mean, you do get the times where it's a new client, a new candidate, and it's just about the best experience for both. Everyone talked about candidate experience in the marketplace now. So yeah, you want to make sure that you have what the, a good candidate experience so they make sure that they're they've sent the job spec they're actually prepped on the role they don't just sort of go into it thinking i don't even know who the client is i mean some of the stories i hear and like the companies who have friends who worked at or worked at previously they wouldn't even allow when they were training you to tell you who the company was they were going in to interview hey mr candidate or mrs candidate do you want to go forward for this job i can't tell you who it's with i can tell you that it's a c-sharp job with some whatever in it um, and things come a long way away from, from there. So I think there's, there's different aspects to both sides, the candidate side and the client side as well, because if you don't service both, then you're not going to work with either of them again. So I think it's there's, there, there is a sitting yeah. on the fence aspect to it, but it's just the reality of what we do. But at the end of the day, we are the scapegoat for both sides. As well. so, <laughs> and that's the role, we, that's the job we sign up to. Um, so we try and minimize the scapegoatiness of it so that at least there's that you, you, you work with both parties again. Cameron the scapegoat. What a job title. Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking about changing my LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things I, I took from that is um, you, that's something that's happened to me quite a lot. Let's explore some of the um, the ways that I've been or, or candidates are treated by agents. Um, mm. I say treated. Treated is maybe a too uh, strong a term, but let's, let's stick with it for now because I can't think of anything better. Um, so when I give my uh, a, my agent uh, uh, CV, a lot of the time that CV gets sent around to multiple clients. That is not as a, a frowned upon practice by the better with agents. Consent, is that without consent. Well, that's the problem. Sometimes it's without consent. Most okay. of the time these days, because I'm a senior and because I've got to a point now where I have trusted agents that I go back to and they understand me and I un and we've mm. got a respect for each other, that doesn't tend to happen so much. But back in the day, I'd send my CV out to a lot of agencies. I'd say, I am now available, which is generally the best way to get work back then. Um, and they then I'd find it in 500 different jobs. I'd try and apply for a job and, oh, you, we've seen your CV seven times already. We're not interested. You're obviously desperate. And it's a really unprofessional way to do it. Now, yeah. from my perspective, I was sending it to a, a company or an agency that would ring me up, discuss a job with me, and then go, are you okay to, to forward that? Um, and I would say yes or no based on what they say to me. But that is not the reality. Now, do you see that as a, a bad practice or do you see that as kind of a standard practice across the industry? That's an absolute no-no. It's, it's a complete no-no. Like you don't send a CV out without consent. I think you also need to look at the geography of it as well. So I'm based in Edinburgh. Um, we have offices all around the UK uh, as well. If you look at Scotland, what's population? Like six million, six and a bit million. What's the population of London? Nearly double that. You can be a bad agent in London with bad practices and get away with it because of the sheer volume of people that there are there. Um, if you're in a mm. smaller market, you get found out really quickly for doing shady practices or just not in, like, um, having people's best interests at, at heart. So, yeah, it's an absolute no-no, and people try and get away with it. It's an old-school practice, 
Um, so you look at some of the more, I'd say, recruitment's come a long way in the last 10 years um, from what I've seen. So is the workplace. If you think back what it was before, it was like people need to be in sort of suits and ties, things like that, in, in the office. And now it's like, hey, dress for your day, flexible working and all of that. Things have changed. We either move with the times and then start to become sort of the agency of, of choice because both clans and candidates like you, or you stay in the 80s, I'm not going to name names. <laughs> there, are, there are companies, you probably know them, and they have that. And they ran call times down uh, agents' phone. You need to be in the phone at least three hours a day. You need to send out this many CVs. You need to be hitting a certain number of KPIs and metrics. And it becomes numbers for numbers' sake at that point. The agent probably doesn't want to do it. They're being told that they have to do it. And it's just a stupid headspace to be in, if I'm honest. Um, what you need to be doing is moving with the times, and therefore some of these practices would probably fall by the wayside if people would just update their policies, I guess, and in terms of how they want to interact with both sides. You know, I'd be actually really curious if someone, like if I sent my C off, a CV off to a recruiter and they just sort of blasted it out into the ether without my permission, I wonder if I'd actually have a GDPR case against them. These days, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Like we you we know. went through like a big GDPR process um, and to the point that there was guys who I placed, like actually physically placed within the last 24 months, but they, um, um, or, or whatever, I can't remember what, what the time frame was of it. But anyway, there was guys who had to actually mess them over Insta on Instagram. It's a bit weird. Um, wow. <laughs> LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm that recruiter, I'm that guy. Um, no, I was uh, messaging Holiday them over. Picks. Yeah. I was messaging them over at LinkedIn, so a bit embarrassing, but I was like, but can you ping me your CV? GDPR has rendered me completely obsolete right now. So yeah, you probably would have fixed. Mm. Yeah, so I've, um, I think I think we would get in trouble these days, and maybe that's why I don't see it quite as much. I thought it was maybe because I was becoming more senior and respected, but probably not. It's probably the, the law has been... As long changed. as they understand how perfect you are, Chris, then everything well, will be fine. Well, now, see, when it, for me, the... One of the horror stories that, that immediately pops out into mind, and it does deal with CVs, is a CV was sent in to a recruiter. The recruiter verified, you know, the interview process. The candidate went in. The company that was doing the interview said, is this your CV? And they said, it's a very modified version of my CV. <laughs> and the company actually said, yeah, we kind of thought as much because this recruitment agency is known for modifying people's CVs before uh -huh. sending them in. Yeah. And that just makes me really hesitant to want to send or work with a recruiter because it's like you are falsely representing me. If, yeah. if, if, if I have done my CV wrong, like I've left out an important skill set or you feel it should be updated, I would hope you would turn around and go, I've been in this business for a while. Maybe you really should include that remedy experience or, you yeah. know, mm, I don't know. Maybe you should include that AWS certification or this is not the right place to have this the a, uh, AWS yeah. certification. Let's instead have your Cisco certification on this variation because yeah. me modifying my CV, I'm for, but yeah. someone else doing it? And this is recent. I mean, and this yeah. wasn't within like the past year. Combined with this then, uh, is it acceptable or is it still an acceptable practice for us to modify CVs and customize them for a particular job? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, because if you look at, say, development and DevOps, um, somebody might have a DevOps CV. So I've got a candidate I've worked with recently who's a Python developer, um, but he's also a good DevOps engineer. Um, and he has two different ones. And I think that's totally acceptable. I think having three or four different ones and just trying to play the field a little bit, you're probably getting to the, you're, you need to dilute yourself down that much because you're not an expert in any one particular area. But 
I would say, yeah, having one or two either guys who've maybe been development managers who still are hands-on, they might want to have like a management style CV and they might have one a bit more hands-on. So they, if they do want to go back into more technical role, they can still keep their hand in. That, that's acceptable. I'd say. So in that instance, then when a recruiter modifies a CV, I know it does still happen. In fact, I've seen, I, I've seen, the recruiter should never modify it. It should be the candidate should be like, it's okay for them to have to, a recruiter should never modify a CV. I think what, um, People will do, and I, I've seen people um, act in the best interests. So they've, there's been spelling mistakes in CVs. This, this was quite recent. Uh, and one of, it's actually a guy who works uh, for me, went in, and all he did was correct some spelling mistakes. And the guy booted it off. He was he was really, wasn't happy about it. And it's like, well, I, I don't know if it was embarrassment. I don't know what it was. That is correcting a spelling mistake, I would say, is okay. Adding things in, changing it, moving it around without consent, getting it done, no, no. Um, as well, I've got certain ways that I like CVs laid out because I think it's accessible. So you've got your little intro at the top, you've got your skills matrix to sort of says what you are, and then you go into the actual employment history and you actually go into the hands-on detail when you're using the skills that you say that you claim you have last. And I would say, I'd say that to people, but I wouldn't change it for them. I would ask them to go away and lay it out in such a way that it's going to probably make them more appealing because you've also got to remember the recruitment agent will know the hire manager they're sending it to. Some of them will even look at the cover notes that we write. Some of them will just completely skip that past that page and then read the CV. Others won't even read the CV. They'll just purely read the cover notes as yeah. well. So you need to sort of, it's horses for horses with it. But absolutely not. You should never change a CV. And uh, this doesn't apply to things like adding like the agency header and removing personal information no, I mean, and things like that. No, I mean, formatting a CV. Um, so we send, um, the only time I don't change a CV is a designer CV. The designer sends a CV to me, I leave it the F alone and just send it over. <laughs> well, that is kind of their job. They need to represent themselves. Ex exactly. What am I going to do? Like, Because generally, we always send them as a Word document, not PDFs. So when a designer sends a really good-looking CV over, I always just say, look, are you happy for me to send this over? I can take off your contact details. And they're always just like, no, it's fine. Just send it. Trust you. Um, formatting a CV is different. So if you send me a CV and it's got... Um, information all over then yeah we have a standardized sort of like calibri 10 justify it and it's got a harvey nash like logo on it and just sort of like information name daily rate location availability stuff like that that to me is, is a necessity and that's not modifying it the actual content doesn't change in slightest it's the exact same and it's, and it's in the same um order as well so you're not moving the order around you're just literally making it into a certain format so when you um Again, I know I'm drilling into this quite a lot, but it is a bit of a bugbear of mine when a CV, my CV is modified in any way, shape, or form because I see my CV not as a CV anymore. I see it as a professional profile, a, a, a case study essentially of what I've done throughout my career. Because I'm such right. a, I'm not, I don't, I'm, I'm one of these people who does almost everything. I don't just focus on one thing. I try and help yeah. in whatever way I can. And if you've, I don't know if you've watched any of the previous shows, but both Josie and I consider ourselves a business, individual businesses that offer services which is how the government want to see you know want to, us to present ourselves yeah, contract things going yeah well it's i35 is not a part of this discussion no it isn't it i isn't. love you chris but it's also going down that route, the r35 is that the chat now we're, we're, tr we're trying not to every single episode i try not to talk about ir35 and end up talking about it but um my, my point here is that uh to me it's it's my company that I'm representing. I've got my own website. I'm trying to build a, a client profile, and fair enough, I use agents to get to get business at times. But them modifying my CV makes me 
look different from how I want to present myself, if you know what I mean, even even if it's yeah. adding their branding, etc. I I personally have a problem with that, and I feel like the recruitment industry needs to move away from that whole adding their branding to people's CVs because we're not your product, if you know what I mean. We are yeah, we yeah. are our own product. I I am a product of my business. And I want to be presented this way. I find I'll remove my contact details so they don't directly contact me. Again, me and you and I have an understanding that when I go through you, you get the business that type thing. But that doesn't apply for everybody, and that becomes a problem. In you know, mm -hmm. and this yeah. is what no, that's a good point. I think it, it probably circles back to what we're saying about the evolution of recruitment and the whole industry as a whole. And obviously, we're we'll, we'll doing the IR thirty five chat, but. Uh, <laughs> I think if you start to look at that and you start to want to sort of, yeah, and you start to think about people being, I am the boss of my own company, I'm going in as a consultant contractor in the truest sense of the word, then yeah, there probably will be an evolutionary thing where by that practice probably becomes obsolete at a certain point. I totally take on what you're saying. You want to be presented a certain way, you've got things done a certain way. The reason that it's done is because not every job that you work is going to be exclusive um, as well. So if you're sending CVs over to a hiring manager, then it's a case of like, oh, who's who's Harvey Nash's CVs? This they've not they've not formatted them, they've not done this. A lot of the time that we send things over, so by certain clients, um, they have a certain cover sheet and they say you've got to fill in this. So if you go to certain financial services companies, some of the fintechs, some of the big unicorns, um, they have the process which is mature now and they themselves but you've got to do this and if you don't they'll come back some of them will come back and say we will not look at a cv that is longer than three pages including mm -hmm. a cover sheet so it's like how do you then condense at that point it's, it becomes a different issue as opposed to just formatting as, as well so i think you're right there's an evolutionary change probably will come with being a as, as well, a, your your own boss your own limited company but that, that these are the, suppose the the stipulations that we get put on us by some of the clients as well. Yeah, and I, I guess in my case, I, if if my CV had to be modified for like the company purposes or wherever it is that there's potential for placement, as long as I'm told, I think that's okay. I oh, yeah. the point is it. it I think that that's literally what all of my concerns actually boil down to when I when I think about all the horror stories from agents who don't stop calling, agents who don't actually read the emails that you send to them and instead reply with a whole lot of other BS that had nothing to do with the questions you asked in the first place. Everything literally stems back to it feels like there is no dialogue. It almost feels like if I wanted to engage an agent, I am entering the Wild West and if I don't have a badge on me, or I'm not wearing a suit of armor, I'm gonna have to find some saloon and drink myself under the yeah. table. Like it, it feels very um, unapproachable because mm -hmm. of that, and the stories, and it all comes yeah. to communication. One of the things I, I was I was thinking about this earlier on before the sort of the, the show, and like what are some of the differentiators between typical stereotypical agents recruiters and developers, I think actually some of it boils down to just like really basic psychology. So if you've ever done sort of like looking at insights and personality types and color energies and all these sorts of things, what are your typical recruiters? They're probably your more sort of gregarious, sunshine yellow, going out there sort of go-gettery type people. What are your typical developers? I typically is probably going to be more practical, analytical, sort of the blue, they're opposite color energies. They, they, they're the two that will probably struggle to communicate the most at any at any sort of time as well. So I think actually it's probably there's, there's more you could delve into it as well. But I think probably understanding the person because there'll be some recruiters you work with and you'll think, oh, they're 
they're top notch. They're they're brilliant. They just get me. And there'll be others, and even I get it after this time. I, I like to think I'm fairly sort of refined at what I do now. And with some people, I just really can't connect with that at, at all. I think we're just different personality types. We want to be spoken to in slightly different ways, unless you have that relationship with them where you've built up that knowledge of that. that it, sometimes you're, you're just a bit of a bit of a lost cause. You just got to do <laughs> make the best of it and, <laughs> and be honest with them. I think honesty, if you can, the more you can just stick to the absolute truth, the better, and people will trust you and probably give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm a big fan of the truth uh, in yes. every respect of the word. I'm a bit too Brutal. honest a lot of the time as well. Uh, but I've learned mm. how to curb that over the years. Didn't used to. When I was younger, I, again, I'd look back at my younger self and give myself a proper slap of how I used to be. But yeah, <laughs> I, I totally, all would. And, I, and the thing is, I've I've changed my personality based on my interaction with agencies based on my interaction with clients and speaking to stakeholders and then speaking to the developers and you know it, it I'm not the same person that I was 10 years ago or even a year ago and it's it, it's extremely important that we communicate and we don't get frustrated with each other because we're both essentially trying to do the same thing we are I see I honestly do see agents as I don't even see them as a necessary evil anymore like I may you I, I used to describe them as there's I'm no, working that way but they still sort of feel that way to me there's no them and us with with agencies for me I if I find the right agent I want to work with them again it's simple as that I mean, that's key though is the right agent that that's it that's and you find the right one then you're like okay I can let them my guard down a little bit yeah and, and I guess there's a mutual respect there. There's, I know you're not going to pull the wool over on my eye, on, on my eyes, and I'm not going to do you over and go direct with a client. You know that kind because of, that's basically the what it comes down to. It's money, and money makes us all ugly. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate money. Every client that I speak to that <laughs> I've been engaged that I've been engaged with an agency with at some point they mention the agency's overhead, and I say I'm sorry, but I can't talk about that. I can't talk. I mean, we can maybe talk about. Um, uh, if I need a rate increase, and so you'll know something is coming, but that'll be a rate increase plus whatever the agency adds on top of it. A lot of the time, we also and let's 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 explore rates a little bit. Other really awful practices that I have seen. I don't know if they've happened to me directly, but they have seen them um, happen. Where an agent will charge out a client, and let's say a thousand pound a day, they'll charge a client, and then the contractor. They will whittle down, whittle down to 300, 400 pounds a day or whatever it works out at. And it's, I, I know it's in your interest to do that. But short term versus long term gain, I think that's the thing as well. I've, I've never seen anything as, as bad as that in terms of a, a margin that's mm. over 50%. Um, it's, it's, we, <laughs> have. <laughs> we have. We <laughs> have. I've been sheltered from the world. I've not, I've not seen this. But no, you, you do see it. And there's been times um, in the past year, 18 months, two years. Chris, you and I had a conversation about something uh, a while back, and it was the overhead. And you actually had the wrong figure for it. And I, I just told you I'm quite black and white. I have an open book policy with everybody. Because I think as soon as you start to take this and with these things, it's very hard to shake that reputation. So you've got to be whiter than white in these things as much as possible. But you do, you do get it. Um, but they lose business because of it. There's a client we worked with last year and they were a great business. And um, we sorry, we, did, we weren't working with them. They're a great business. We got an intro to them purely because an agency had been taking the mickey, quite frankly. with They were telling them that they were paying them one thing and they were paying them something different at the time. It wasn't the margins you're talking about, but it was certainly 
north of 120 quid a day margin, 100 and some things like that. And it was just for the level of developer that they had in there, it was obscene. And that's the problem a lot of the time. The developers aren't necessarily business savvy enough to do that negotiation. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying I'm perfect, but I, I, I'm a bit savvy when it comes to it, and I do try and negotiate as bad. much as I can. Um, we all, I've, yeah, I've, so I've some actually... of us don't like the money discussion, and I think yeah. that's, that's part of the problem. You yeah. know, I, I know some people who will walk away if they don't feel they're getting paid enough, <laughs> but I also know a lot of people, unfortunately, in certain situations, especially in the gaming industry where I've seen people like flat out dropped whole groups of people, um, they're so desperate they'll take anything. And the idea of trying to find not just the right fit with um, finances, but, you know, finding a place or a place that won't take advantage of them, it's not this, like, it's not the priority. The priority is I need to have my refrigerator full for my children kind yeah. of thing. So I have a question for you, a bit, sort of based around all the things that we've basically been talking about. Now, we know, and I can't name a single developer who hasn't had ugly stories with recruiters i have seen and we've discussed a little bit of the bad how can we work better with you guys like what is it what should we know going in because i have how do you work with recruiters i have google food that stuff before yeah. i have helped people who have had to work with recruiters before and i'll tell you something it's a small nightmare now one thing that i have been told is that it's best to have as many of them as possible working for you However, I also know that at that point in time, you start getting the phone calls of, hey, I want to place you with X company. There's this opening here. And they're like, oh, I'm already going with this other person who's putting me in for that interview. Or yeah. one of my favorite ones is two different recruiters, same company, two different jobs, interviews on one day after the other. <laughs> and it was just sort of like, what? You know, yeah. so like, how can we better work with you, and how can we make the judgment call if that's a good recruiter or yeah. that is a bad recruiter? Yeah, well, I think it's the there's no easy answer to it other than um, it's you can't apply that logic to everybody because it won't work because there are just people out there who don't really care about having a good relationship with you. What you need to do is work on finding a good recruiter for you. I would say you don't need to work with everybody. What I always tell um, the, the contractors that, that I work with is you probably want to have, depending on the size of the market. So if we take Scotland, sort of Edinburgh, Glasgow, where I do a lot of business uh, as an example, um, you probably don't need more than three good agents uh, uh, there. And that's just ones that you want to, yeah, you want to go and meet them, have a coffee with them, sit them down, suss them out. You also want to look at how long they've been doing the job for. Recruitment is one of these things you don't need to have a, a, a master's to go in and do. You, you will get people 19, 20, 21, sometimes come in and get it, those the, the jobs. You want to look at somebody who's maybe been doing it for a while or the ones who are new to it, go and meet them, sit them down, suss them out. But you also want to look at the, and ask them what clients they work with. There's no point in me working with a, a, a consultant, any a, a contractor, and then working with certain clients because we will just overlap too much. You want to try and spread the market as much as possible. So if one's particularly financial services oriented, if one's a bit more public sector oriented, or or just FMCG or whatever market it is that they work in, mm -hmm. figure what that out that is, and then have a good relationship with with ones who work in those sort of circles. But yeah, you've just got to find the ones who actually want to do it as a career, as opposed to the ones who are just doing it for a quick buck, because then they're generally actually have like invested interest long term 
But you can also tell that, well, as with experience, you can tell that when you speak to people on the phone. And if when an agent calls me, if I put my CV out there and say, I'm now available, I get that day hundreds of phone calls. I mean, I'm on the phone all, all week, pretty much. Um, and it is draining, but I know that that's coming because I expect, you know, I brace myself for it. I, I send my CV out and I brace myself for it. Now, I have a, I have a problem in that the agents that have placed me previously and placed me in decent jobs um, have moved on. <clears throat> they might potentially take the contact list with them and get in touch with me again. I've got maybe three names and the whole of England that I can remember. Yours is one of them, and there's another. There's another couple that I would work with again because. And there's even a few that I've spoke to on the phone that have put me forward for interviews, and I've been for the uh, been for the meetings with the clients. And everything's went well and I've turned the job down or it's not worked out. But I would still go back with that agency and I would seek them out because I liked their tone, the way they dealt with me, the way they respected me and, and just, the, again, the relationship I had with them, even though I've not actually, yeah, I've not exchanged any money. But they move yeah. on. They form their own company. These people normally end up forming their own company and having their own little agency and having a much smaller client base who can't yeah. pay the rates that I want if you know what I mean. Yeah. So yeah. I'm stuck in a situation oh, where no. I have to put, I know it's first world problems and all this, you know, but I have <laughs> that to. That wasn't what I was <laughs> I have a problem in that I have to go out to the market every single time I need a, I need a new contract. And I'm not in a lucky position, which I've been in for quite a few years now, that clients keep coming back to me. That doesn't always happen. Sometimes the market's dead, no clients need new work. I need to put myself out there. And mm -hmm. that's when all of these problems occur, such as getting your CV forwarded seven times, people editing your CV and customizing things without your knowledge and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's no question there. It's just more of a statement about, ah, <laughs> it's more catharsis at this point, I suppose. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 you know, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a tick box exercise, though. It's something that probably just requires a bit of ongoing maintenance and, and sort of tracking where sort of people go, I think. Yeah, I mean, I've been with Harvey Nash for over six years now. I was only with one agency prior to that. Um, I've got no intention of going and setting up on my own uh, at all. Some some guys do something, so it's not the question. You just need to avoid the agencies that you know have high margins, have bad reputations, because, you know, smoke and fire and all of that. So I would say that, you know what, you can probably... I'm not sure you can get caller screening to see who it is, what agencies are calling you, and just, and just ignore those ones. But yeah, there's certain companies you maybe want to work with, right? I, I know they're good guys, and they hire. Fair enough, an, an agent from there might move on, but that company has still got the same ethics when it comes to how they've trained mm -hmm. that person. That person has probably done what they've done with you previously, um, their predecessor, based on how they've been told they should, and they want people to act there. So maybe just stick with, it's not, it's not foolproof plan, you obviously, Idiots do slip through the net everywhere, but um, I, I would say that that's probably a, a good starting point uh, uh, as well. But yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no better answer how to, to do like, that other than this. It's almost like it's almost like maintaining a client list, like maintaining an agency list. Yeah, yeah, it, that, it is. That is that is it because it is literally going back to what he said at the start of the show. You're you're kind of smart, Cameron. You're scaring me. I might actually start liking agents now. Weird. <laughs> Go away. Um, no, but it, it it comes down to the relationship that you form. You yeah. know, if so, for me, you know, I tend to work with a lot of clients, and they bring me on, and they don't let me go. So I'm I'm with them for like ever. But I have mm -hmm. all kinds of clients all at one time versus Chris, who tends to be a client over a long period of time yeah 
So, you know, for me, it's about knowing who those people are, knowing what their needs are, being able to, I see something new come out in the market because I'm an early adopter tester for a lot of um, different types of platforms. And if I see something that's going to benefit a client, I can then turn around and be like, hey, I can totally help you out. And it seems that that's yeah. almost like what we should be doing with agents is if we stay in touch with them and they know what we're about and they know how we work, when things stumble upon their desk that might interest us, we should be fresher in their minds at that point. Yeah. I think or they might reach out to us. Yeah. And it's how, how hard the agencies work as well. I mean, I'm not a developer, but I've done it long enough. But I, I can spot a good developer sort of CV. I can talk to her with them so that when something new comes out, when we were chatting about something the first time you and I spoke, Chris, the, 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 the tech stack was the main thing that was actually appealing to you about it as well. And I, and I knew that. It's not just like looking at them and going, yeah, I need the MVC base, something or other. I think that's probably where you start to. I've, I've got a, um, a contractor, which was my favorite contractor, I've worked with for, for years. Um, and she always loves to tell the story of when she gets called up and um, someone says, oh, yeah, I've got this great Java job for you. It's Java. And she's like, I don't have Java in my CV. I have a script in my CV. And it's like, who can actually differentiate? Who's technical enough to be able to sort of do that? And who's just through the door? <laughs> I was going to bring that up because I, I, I know what it's like to have a particular thing on your CV and then them come around and be like, we want to talk to you about Juniper Networks. And you're like, nowhere does it say Juniper. Nowhere does it say Also, Zeus. I've written Go PHP away. because I, man I managed a PHP thing once in my life. I've never written a PHP site yeah. ever. I don't know how to write it. I just happen to have done that. But that's my own fault, yeah. I suppose, for putting TMI on my CV. I, I've actually had the results of the Java because I do have JavaScript. And it's... I, I've done Java before. I don't ever really ever want to touch Java again. I'm <laughs> fine with JavaScript. But, you know, yeah. it's... It, it, it does... I, part of the weeding out process, at least for me, is finding the people who understand the tech. I mean, yeah. I don't need someone who literally has the same skills that I have. That's not why I would want to hire a, a recruiter or an agent. It's I need someone who, if I turned around and I started talking about something like Elasticsearch, you're not going to sit there and go, was that? You go, yeah. okay, Elasticsearch tends to be part of this platform. I may not know exactly the technicalities, but I know jobs that have had these things that kind of link together. So yeah. you can do the outside of the box thinking because... Otherwise, why should I come to you? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I've got, yeah, be, before we um, finish, because we're, we're getting close to the end of the show, actually. We are getting very close. Um, yes, before yes. we finish, I want to briefly look at this from a slightly different perspective. So I want to talk about it from a client's perspective, because I've done recently some uh, engagement with agencies to try and find candidates on a client's behalf. Ooh. And I've done it before in the past as well, and it's I've I've also tried to recruit myself, so I know I don't I'm not an, certainly no expert, but I know how difficult it can be to do that. And I want to basically put some props out there for agencies. I want people to understand that it's not necessarily a freeloading job because a lot of people, especially clients, when they're not involved with having to do recruitment, sifting through CVs, go you know. A, interviewing people choosing from a, a list of candidates that see agents quite often provide a significant amount of value to a business and reduce the overhead of that business and the hr department and you know they, they do the initial sifting at the least um what's your take on that cameron what do you see as your value to a business 
Well, it's just that. I mean, you've got to look at it. I mean, when you, when you sit down to sort of take a job spec from somebody, there's the, the iceberg thing. It's like 20% of the problem sits out of the water, 80% of it is hidden. You don't really know what it is. You've got to get in there and understand really the nuts and bolts of what do you need? Why do you need it? Okay, well, if that if you don't get it, what actually does that mean to you? And that could be a professional thing. That could be a personal impact that they have on you. You want to sort of drill down into that, not to use it in any other sense of finding the right person in the right time frame that they need. And it's yeah, it could save them time because they get to go home and spend time with their kids. Could be they don't miss a, a deadline. They're a consultant saying this, and I've had it before where if a deadline wasn't hit, they were going to get stung thirty grand. Um, they just start paying back as well. So. Um, you 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 need to everybody's different, but I think your value. I mean, I've had, had a client I've worked with for years, um, and he called me up, and it was later on on a Friday, and he was like, "You're not going to like this call. I need a SharePoint dev to start on Monday." And I said, "Laughed. We worked for ages." And I was like, "Look, I won't give up my weekend." I said, "But Joe, I'm going to charge a slightly higher margin for this. This is what it's going to be." And he was like literally i don't care and i was i'm up front about it as i say i always have an open book with people um on these things there's other ones where it's like look you will you just get them what what they need by a certain deadline um because they just have it could be any one of the reasons i i guess i could go off at 500 tangents do, here. <laughs> do you ever do you ever get looked to from a client for your understanding um of the market or necessarily your understanding of the skills that are available um yeah or even yeah. the technical side do you ever provide advice as an agency that this developer is more suitable for you than this or, or is it always up to them to make that choice no no they, they'll ask sometimes they've not decided what they're doing so um there's one sort of recently and it's like oh, should we go down angular or react and i was like well i can tell you i would go down the angular route um from just purely availability of people right Right now at that given point because it was literally that's like probably changed <laughs> i yeah. only say that because um, react is now all of a sudden big thing again yeah exactly so it, it literally it's where you are at the moment in time angular 2 was so terrible everyone jumped on react and it was like okay great and then angular 6 7 8 or whatever is out now and everyone loves it again it's just, it's just where you are at that point in time. <laughs> not, not according to our <laughs> guest uh guest the other week uh, who's actually asked a question which we're going to ask you in a minute um uh he he's he thinks that React is the the big thing at the moment, but I I keep seeing Angular everywhere as well, and React occasionally, and then it changes mm -hmm. and React. But it's just I think it just depends on the market at that time. To be honest with you, most clients, I'll be honest with you, they will sort of be interchangeable unless it's like a very specific thing. They say if somebody's done a sort of an MVC based or an MVVM based JavaScript framework or whatever. It's fine. They can learn it. Yeah. Um, if they've done React, yeah. they've done Redux and Flux and all that sort of stuff. It's like you know what you'll be able to learn Angular and just know if they maybe have a week's grace period before they start the contract, then most of them are okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So unless uh, Josie has anything else, I'm going to ask a question that's been asked in chat, um, and we've just had some code posted for some reason. Um, <laughs> no, uh, no. Ed, Ed, Ed I'll leave that. I'll leave the code to you guys. Says, <laughs> you know, agent contact equal good. Echo, yay. Else agent contact equal null, which I think is cute. Yeah. <laughs> it's an adorable statement. So, and it's true. So Mark, one of our previous guests, um, who mm. came on about two weeks ago, I think he was, he's a developer, senior developer, and he's asked um, to, for, for, for Cameron, have you encountered any of the automated recruitment software products on the market, such as CWiz, which I've not heard of personally. Um, are you worried I about? I think that's CVViz. Is it CVViz? 
or well, well, auto, basically automation tools on the market? And are you worried about the potential automation of the recruitment industry? It's a good question. Um, it's something that I, I don't know. CV Wiz, um, Wiz, Viz. We try and move with it. So I think again, probably to circle back to and just recycle an old answer. You've, you've got to evolve and, and sort of move with it. I think, yeah, the, the certain practices that we'll probably have right now will be uh, obsolete in five, ten years. But I think there's always going to need a, a sort of a physical human presence, in my opinion, anyway, for the, for the time being, for recruiters to be there. That you can't automate everything um, sort of behind that. But I think there's certain products that are coming out that you can incorporate to make you move with the times as opposed to get left behind. Make you more efficient. I mean, it's like at the moment AI isn't the be all and end all but it may very well replace some jobs but probably not all jobs especially yeah. I mean, a recruitment you know you you need that human interaction personally it's a human yeah. resourcing job in there's, some respects there's a reason i hate linkedin with a passion <laughs> because i will get the scripted direct messages of Copy hey you are a thing. I want a thing. You'll make me money. You should totally get in touch with me because you have a thing <laughs> written on your thing. It's just like... I, um, I got scared I, a few years ago. I, uh, I Talking about AI, there was a, a job I went forward for and I was going to be programming alongside an AI that the company had developed. And somehow that would do all of the the monkey work for me and I would only be needed to do the algorithm. I mean, I, to me, I still don't understand how it would have worked considering what I do for a living. I, I, I didn't get it, but it's like, wow, is that where we're going? A, a programmer's yeah. actually... Are we actually going to get replaced by AI? No. no. I don't think we will. Was it? Was, it, was it Facebook? Was it Google or Apple? They had AI and they actually had to turn it off because it was evolving too fast and started talking to each other and creating its own language and they got scared and turned it off. So well, I think this is the old um this is the old uh, cyberpunk type yeah. you know, disaster scenario, end of the world, yeah. AI going crazy thing. Yeah. I'm sure they'll refine it at some point and they'll uh, they'll come to market with something that's gonna be really good and you just incorporate that as the word that you use, Chris, is yeah, it's efficiency. It's like okay. Maybe see, we can reduce overheads and... Well, see, that's all that it is. I mean, if you look at the different, you know, evolution of programming languages, each generation is an abstraction. We're not mm. writing machine code right now. We're writing C, which could compile. Compile could technically be considered, you know, the AI that does the translation for you. Like, we have that. I don't think we'll ever get to a point where we're fully replaced. Like, uh, that's mm. just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, it really isn't. If anything, all we're going to do is we're going to start adding tools and figuring out ways to use things a little bit more efficiently. And that yeah. is, I think, the key. And that's saying that as someone who is a paranoid freak. So... It's all going to go wrong one day. So <laughs> I'm, we'll I am a security paranoid answer. freak. As <laughs> well, enjoy. If, if your jobs are going to get automated, and mine are going to get automated, how many other jobs are going to get automated? There's a bigger, wider problem. Yeah. At that point, Brexit will be a welcome distraction. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, wow. And for those of you who are not UK based, but are everywhere else, you have a right to laugh at us yes. here in the UK. Oh, wow. Yeah. But yes, we are sort of coming towards the end of our show. So what we're going to do is jump into the section of our show called the RTFM. RTFM basically stands for Read the Bleepin' Manual. And all it really is is a chance for us to kind of rant about things because we get frustrated. It doesn't have to do with work with anything development wise it's more just a chance of yeah give you a couple moments to shake your fist up the world 
get off my lawn kind of mentality. So now, do you have one, Chris? I, I don't believe Cameron has probably, he hasn't been prepped for this, so I will go first this week because I've thought of one for once. Mm-hmm. Um, I know normally I have a good rant, but today, right, so today is, is actually work-related, and it's about meetings. Now, I have always hated meetings. I, I, I want to be out of them as soon as possible because I need to get coding and write, you know, write things. But at the moment, I don't have a developer head on. I have a project manager head on uh, and a lot more than that as well. Uh, it's a particularly challenging job that I'm working at the moment. Very rewarding in some other ways, but meetings are my life. Everything. It's not the meetings I have a problem with. It's people that derail the meetings, especially when you've got a very set time period for them and you've got a, a very set agenda that you've worked on and you've put time and effort into. And as a, I've, I'm a big believer that if we've got an hour, like in, like in this podcast, we try and fit it into that hour and we do our best to stay in those constraints because our time is expensive. And people that come in and go, oh, actually, that's that email you just sent me about, let's have a half an hour discussion about it within this hour meeting. And I'm just... Oh, no. And yet sometimes, yeah. sometimes it's a stakeholder and you can't do anything about it. Yeah, that's my RTFM. <laughs> Whereas my RTFM, giving you a little bit more time, Cameron, is I am absolutely and utterly frustrated with my local supermarket. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so um, we're in the process of doing sort of like spring cleaning and reorganization of stuff because we need more space to play Beat Saber in this house. And um, we decided, well, we're going to take care of, you know, rugs and everything, give them a, a their sort of yearly shampooing. And uh, the local supermarket, in order to register to have one for the day, you have to show up at the crack of bloody dawn and ask for it because they actually don't allow bookings. Have what? bookings mm. for the carpet cleaner carpet cleaner right sorry yes. i guess i'm all sorry. i'm all about the carpet sorry i'm so <laughs> i'm not sure you said the carpet it's, cleaner you I, mentioned car- cleaning, cleaning carpets carpet. yeah. yes yeah, <laughs> it's the carpet cleaner and it's it just it in today's day and age i don't see how if you rent equipment of any kind you could get away with not having some kind of pre-booking system because people's lives aren't that open to, oh, well, maybe it'll just be available. And I'm frustrated with them because it's forced us to go outside of what we would normally do as part of a routine in order to accommodate this situation. And it's just annoying me. So I'm kind of frustrated at my local supermarket for how they handle the booking of the carpet cleaning. That's my Uh, rant. Why is it not in my outstretched hand? You, you're not a millennial, though, Josie. That's the problem here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I am someone who actually understands the value of booking. And I know that this particular supermarket delivers with a booking system. So why don't they have one for the carpet cleaner? Okay, okay. All right, I'll let you off. I'll let you off. <laughs> so, Cameron, have you, have you had a chance to think up a, a little I've got, more? I've got one. In, in, the, in, the world of, in the world of technology and always going, we're getting better, we're predicting things and just using technology to advance ourselves. Why can't we get the bloody weather right ever? (laughs) Every morning I go on AccuWeather and I'll be like, right, okay, so the last weekend, my son turned one, uh, the Fonse had planned this sort of like outdoor gardeny thing. And then on the day, it's like, oh, there's thunderstorms coming, don't be outside, loads of rain. And I'm like, you know what? 
well, just we'll just go inside. After about three hours, you're sort of in there and going, it's there's not a cloud in the sky. It's beautiful out there. There's there's not going to be a thunderbolt. There's going to be nothing. Why can't we predict weather better in 2019 than we could in 1992? Because you're in Scotland. I was just about to say because <laughs> you're I... in Glasgow. <laughs> what I was going to say. And actually, there's something to be said about the predictive modeling in chaos theory and how it gets applied to that. But that's a topic for a whole different show. Also, move to Blackpool because the weather prediction, every time I look at my app, with the exception of one day where exactly what you just described happened, it said it was going to thunderstorm on the morning. And then it, my app cleared and it was sunny, but I hadn't looked at it like about three or four hours and yeah. I hadn't looked outside because I'm a developer and I keep my curtains closed. Um, uh, but I... But I, uh, I, 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 I Basically, the weather is almost perfect usually here. If it says it's going really? to rain, it's going to rain. If it says oh, it's sunny, yeah, Blackpool. Yeah, Blackpool. We're flat. We have to, we had an earthquake the other day. You know, we had an earthquake really? in Blackpool because there's fracking going on down the and road. No one cares. I even report it. No, oh, well, you know what? It's kicking off. <laughs> it's kicking off big uh, time. There's a whole whole story around that. But anyway, yeah. yes. Before well. before we go to actually end our show, though, I do want to bring up something that was uh, mentioned by Voltscrack. Volts. Shrat, I'm pronouncing your name Shrat. right. Shrat. Back, yes, back where we were discussing um, CVs. And they had said that depending upon the job company they're applying for, they might want to highlight different things on their CV. And that is how they might actually work with their CV. So going back, just verifying if you are going for working with a recruiter, work with the recruiter on your CV. But if you're like applying for a company on your own, you're kind of going to have to work out the CV that works best, I think, for the you in that particular job. It's based on the job spec, but you get a yeah. job spec from a recruiter anyway, so it's a very similar process. It's just that you have a bit more advice with a recruiter. Not always. Well, <laughs> not always. Um, but yes, yeah, so I just wanted to make sense because I missed them last week. They said something and I didn't say something and I feel really bad. And I want to make certain I at least name them and I totally butchered the name. You're winning. But winning. yes, <laughs> yes, yes, winning. Oh, yes, winning. <laughs> Just like the shark is smooth in all directions. And if anyone gets that reference, I, I give you serious props. But if you don't, you really need to go look up the Twitter conversation about sharks being smooth in all directions. Absolutely brilliant piece of comedy. Anyway, um, so we are at the end of our show. <laughs> Thank you to everybody in Twitch chat for joining in. From Ethercall to Sulaco. And I'm just going to say Volt. Which makes me think of Warframe. <laughs> oh, awesome too we've got already got an awesome haven't we yes and we also have mark walsh who i want to again say thank you for jumping in as well but and to all of you people listening into the future we hope to actually see you live thank you cameron for joining us i hope you had fun thanks for having me guys no I'm a pleasure i enjoyed myself hopefully I've, I've made you a little bit more open to working with good agents in the future um josie but i'm, I'm not sure <laughs> I think there are I think there are definitely some hindrances and I'm gonna have to sit back and think now. But you've given me some tips. The thing you've is, given me some things. But this does mean we have to bring you back on the show to continue convincing. The the thing with, with agencies is back. you have to work work at it. You can't just expect to yeah. get the perfect agent straight away. Um, it takes a long time to sift through, unfortunately, the ch the wheat from the chaff and, and get to the point where you've got good contacts. Yeah. It's the same with clients, though. You fire clients all the time. So fire an agency that's not working for you. Although sometimes the contract stops you from doing that as a contractor. So. <laughs> yeah. No, you do get a yeah. chance, Cameron, to pimp anything that you want to pimp. 
Um, you can pimp your company. Really you can pimp yourself. <laughs> Any side projects? Any side projects that you got going on? No, no really not. Um, I, I must be the most boring recruiter there is out there. Um, no, um, thanks a lot for having no, me on, on the show. It's been great um, as well. But no, yeah, um, Harvey Nash, we're we're one of the good guys. So yeah, if you are looking for a contract job or a pro job, then yeah, you can get to come speak to us or speak to me, and I'll, you, I'll put you in touch with the right people. Um, but no, thanks a lot for having me on the show and. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see if the conversation sort of moves on to a sort of a, another stage and uh, that evolves. Good stuff, good stuff. So, yes, our time to pimp now. Uh, you can visit our website on www.dnistream.live for all the links to our social media channels, all our discovery platforms, etc., etc. Uh, we, we can also use the website to contact us for any reason. If you want to be a guest on the show, you've got anything to say, you've got any additional questions or any subjects that you want us to talk about, please do get involved. Uh, send us send us a, a funny story or anything like that. Um and yeah, so just give us give us a chat, give us a, a message. <laughs> yes, and it seems I'm not the only one who you may have tilted on the good way. It looks like Volt is also saying that uh, help them reconsider some of their prejudices towards agencies. <laughs> they are people. However, they are you people. have <laughs> you have reinforced some of the others. So who knows? <laughs> okay. But, all that's left uh, is for us here at Documentation Not Included to say goodbye. We hope to see you all next week, Thursday, 7 p.m. UK, twitch.tv slash DNI stream if you want to be a part of our live discussion and on Twitter and all the other places. If not, bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>